Brooklyn's Radio brings you City Update with Ian Pritchard and Lee Humphreys. Welcome to City Update. It's that time of day where we can relax, maybe sit in the shade with a cup of tea, and we ask Lee Humphreys to look at what's been happening in the mysterious world of the stock market. What's on the cards today, Lee? Um, well, given this is the final show, not only of uh, the month, Ian, but the second quarter and actually the first half of the year, I thought it might be um, good for us to do a sort of State of the Union overview of the markets uh, in what I think most will conclude has been a remarkable year so far. Yeah, I don't think anyone will argue with that. Certainly it has been. Do you want to start in our own backyard with Europe? Yeah, that's a reasonable place to start. Um, overall, we can see that nearly all the markets in Europe are, despite the rallies we've been talking about actually over the last few weeks, are still, generally speaking, lower, and some significantly so. The FTSE 100, for instance, is lower by around about 18% from where it started the year, and that's despite rallying 24% from the lows set back uh, on the 23rd of March. The day, if you'll remember, before the announcement in the U.S. of the first $1 trillion stimulus. And so, Lee, how does the U.K. compare to other countries in Europe? Well, the, the FTSE's fall to date compares favourably with, say, Spain's, for example, whose main index is uh, 23% uh, lower right now, but contrasts poorly with the likes of Germany, which is 7% lower, and Sweden, whose non-lockdown lockdown um, has been much discussed in the world's media, um, but has seemingly helped the OMX30, the, that's the Swedish uh, equivalent of the FTSE 100, to currently stand only 6% below where it started the year. Right. Uh, Germany and Sweden, very different lockdown experiences. How much influence can we say the unlocking of national economies has had on each index's performance? Well, um, although almost all countries are still in the process of loosening restrictions on the economy, and therefore we should perhaps reserve a little judgment, uh, it, it would, as I've just highlighted with the contra contrasting uh, fortunes of Germany and Sweden, actually appear to have had relatively small amounts of influence. Austria and the Czech Republic, for example, came flying out of the trap, so to speak, and started to unlock their economies back in April. Austria's main index is still down by a massive 29% year-to-date, where the Czech Republic is similar to that of the FTSE, being 17% lower. Right. Well, still in early days, of course, but uh, if unlocking experiences seem to have little influence on the markets, let's get on to the unavoidable, perhaps unpalatable, but have the markets in countries with lower death rates done better? Um, again, here, the evidence is light to sustain that view. Uh, firstly, I think the most, and the most importantly, actually, drawing correlations between different countries' rates of corona-related deaths is fraught with difficulty, given the multitude of ways countries are accounting for them. It really is, in most cases, comparing apples with pears. Um, the UK, for instance, uh, counts deaths with COVID-19, the emphasis uh, here being on the with, not from, whether or others don't. Right, I can see that's difficult, but let's have a go at it. If we would take at face value the death rates uh, within Europe, the number that each country reports, is there any significant correlation between how the national mortality rates have fared and the performance of the share indexes themselves? Well, I've done a little analysis on that in, and what I can tell you, uh, there's a very, there, there really is little correlation either. Um, uh, Finland, for example, with a mortality rate of five and a half deaths 
per 100,000 people has seen its main index actually similar to that of its neighbor Sweden fall by around about 6%. But far underperforms Denmark's OMX20 index, which is currently up, yes, up by 11% so far year to date, but with a mortality rate that is twice that of Finland's. Uh, another, you know, other examples of this abound. Belgium uh, appears uh, to have the dubious distinction at the moment of leading the European COVID mortality rate by some margin, but their main index is lower by just about 15%, which is pretty much the same as Norway's, who've had a mortality rate below that of even Finland's. Okay, thank you. Now, you've mentioned in previous weeks, Lee, as a father of uh, three children of school-going age, how important it is to get the schools open again. Are are the markets looking at such factors? Um, Yeah, I have mentioned that before, Ian, and as a sort of key element. And so far, it would appear markets are not taking that into significant consideration either. France started sending back its school children in May and now have all their 44,000 schools back open. But the main, um, the the country's main index, the CAC 40, has performed very similar to the FTSE 100 uh, uh, so far this year, which, as all parents homeschooling their kids in the UK right now know, has really struggled in getting their state sector back into the classroom. Right, so maybe your concerns are unfounded. Well, you know, I, I would say this anyway, wouldn't I? But I suspect that it's far too soon to write off my thoughts on this just yet. What I think is that French schools going back uh, in before the UK's will have freed up those workers to return to jobs that can't be done from, say, a you know, laptop in the garden, and will um, probably see in the data out in July pickups in French industrial production, for example, or factory output that will far exceed that of, say, the UK, whose schools remain stubbornly shut. Yeah, and we don't really know what the long-term effects of uh, school closures will be for children as they grow up. So going back to the index performance in the first six months of the year, and given what you said up to now, uh, what does account for the differences in the performances? Well, I mean, uh, what is clear to me, at least, uh, to be the sort of largest single factor in how an index has performed in 2020 is really what sectors uh, predominate each index. Right, I can, I can see that. But uh, give us some examples, please. Well, uh, so let's take Switzerland, Japan and Germany, for example. Each of their main stock indexes have performed relatively well and are lower by around about 6% on the year, all three countries have in common a significant number of huge healthcare companies such as Novartis, Takeda and Bayer that are in each of the main indexes and have, not surprisingly, done well this year due to the COVID crisis. The indexes are, at the end of the day, of course, merely reflections of the companies that constitute them. Right, I can see that. Presumably the converse applies that indexes that underperform are weighted towards sectors that haven't done well from the COVID crisis. Yeah, that's exactly right. France uh, and the UK, uh, which are both lower by around 17% and therefore significantly underperforming the three countries I've just mentioned, have a skew towards overweighting financial companies in their main index, such as Credit Agricole and RBS. And unlike healthcare, banks have a multitude of headwinds to contend with right now uh, during the crisis, such as bad loan provisions, and as such are actually the second worst performing sector in in Europe. Austria, in fact, uh, we mentioned earlier as being down 29% year-to-date, is vastly overweight financial names. 
Right. Now, you talked about uh, success of technology companies before, Zoom, Netflix. So I assume, given what you've said, Index, the focus on technology, they'll have been the ones that have done the best. Oh, they have indeed, Ian, yes. Um, COVID has certainly not treated all uh, companies within the economy with equal remorse. Uh, to your point, uh, in the US, the NASDAQ on Tuesday completed an eight-day winning streak and closed at an all-time high, leaving constituents like the one you just mentioned, Zoom, a company that I barely heard about till four months ago, with a valuation of $73 billion, which now, albeit modestly, outstrips the worth of Goldman Sachs. So as they say, an ill wind blows good for some. Yeah, quite. Uh, uh, the, the pandemic has not so much um, sort of rearranged the economy as such, but has hastened its redevelopment. Perhaps by decades, technological innovation is front and centre of this redevelopment, augmenting our lives as consumers and sadly hastening uh, the demise of outdated modes of doing things. And share prices in these firms have risen accordingly. Now, we've talked about the disconnect between the markets and uh and, and the real world, but given what you said, would it be fair to say that national indexes are not always great barometers of an, a national economic performance? Well, uh, I'd probably prefer to say they're incomplete barometers in their own right, but um, this is nothing new. Um, in the early part of the 20th century, gas and electricity companies were the sort of Amazons and Googles of their day and dominated the likes of the Dow Jones in America. The last of those names, General Electric actually, only left the Dow back in 2018 to be replaced with something that fitted more with modern times. So perhaps uh, our focus should be less on what the FTSE 100 or the Dow Dow Jones are doing and more on how underlying sectors such as technology, healthcare, energy uh, that comprise them have done. Well, yes, that would give a more complete picture to my mind, Ian. Indexes can be fairly blunt instruments in telling us much about the evolution of global economies. Um, Investors, however, wise to what goods and services are most required in a global economy during this pandemic are flocking to the perceived winners with ruthless speed. And in this game, as with the gold rush in 19th century America, it's not those prospecting that are necessarily getting wealthy, but those selling the equivalent of the shovels. Those shovels are now being made by Apple, which last week surpassed $1.5 trillion in value. That's an interesting analogy, Lee, and uh, presumably this means the rally we've been witness to since March is increasingly focused on fewer and fewer stocks. Yeah, it most certainly does. 22% of the weighting of the S&P 500, recall that's the uh, index comprising the 500 biggest companies in the United States, is made up of just 1% of its constituents. Now, the so-called FANG stocks comprising of Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Um, The concern is now that some of these companies are displaying monopoly-like characteristics and need to be broken up in a similar way to what happened to Rockefeller, for example, and Standard Oil just before the First World War. We'll leave that debate for another day, Ian, but right now, and to borrow from the bar, they seem to many looking from the outside in to be bestride the narrow world like a colossus. Wow, a quote from Julius Caesar. As ever, impressive stuff, Lee. See you next week. Cheers, Ian. In Pritchard and Lee Humphreys brought you City Update on Brooklyn's Radio. Brooklyn's Radio.